and welcome along to the On The Whistle podcast. I'm your host, Zain Nabi. Today, we're looking ahead to the semifinals in the Africa Cup of Nations. I know you haven't heard from me for a very long time, but you haven't had to. We've had Alistair Howarth, our man on the ground, co-host of the show out in the Ivory Coast. Ali, how are you doing in Abidjan? It's so good to see you, my brother. Ah, Zain, man, it's, it's good to see you. It's been so long since we've seen that 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 beautiful South African face on the show. No, I, I'm I'm. <laughs> you know, um, we hide and we only come back when we have something to talk about, and that exactly, you know, serves as the perfect segue to my partner in crime, the best-looking man on the pod, the one who's got the turn, the man who won the Premier Soccer League, a legend in his own right, not a legend of the fall, Courtney Freeze. How are you doing? Are you as proud as me? We still have a dog in the fight. I'm miserable. I'm not happy. <laughs> uh, I haven't been this unhappy for a very long time. Oh my uh, gosh. My Saturday football team, we bottom on the table after 12 games. We only got three <laughs> points. We've lost 11 league games straight. Nobody has a record like that. We concede five goals a game, minimum. Uh, I tore my left hamstring this week. Other than that, I'm okay. <laughs> Come on. Courtney, you know, you know, we normally can't keep you quiet when the rugby team wins. And now we've got Pafana on a run. Well, if you go back to the beginning of our pod, myself and Mr. Alistair did at the beginning of the tournament, he'll tell you how positive I was about Pafana. What I thought Bruce <laughs> would be doing. So I, I, I can't believe it. And with the world... Uh, I, I would say with the continent's best goalkeeper playing for us as well. Goodness gracious me. I, I, I couldn't be more pleased for South Africa. Absolutely. And we will get to South Africa's new Minister of Defence, Ronwin Williams, and the four penalties <laughs> he saved in the quarterfinals. Um, but Ali, you are our man on the ground in Abidjan. You're our man who's been soaking up all the action. Um, we're so happy that you are out there um, travelling the length and the breadth of the Ivory Coast. Um eating the most unique food you could possibly find, enjoying the weather, and of course, absorbing what's been an absolutely gripping tournament. Um, and I have to start with the host, the Ivory Coast. They've been on quite a journey this tournament, Alistair. Um, for those who are just dialing into the tournament and watching now from the semis, what's it been like if you've been an Ivory Coast fan? Let me tell you, Zane, this has been the strangest party I've ever been invited to, okay? <laughs> because I, I arrive in Cote d'Ivoire a couple of days before, before the tournament kicks off. Everyone is wearing Cote d'Ivoire shirts. I've never been in a country with so many people wearing the, the home kit of the national football team. And, you know, that bright orange, like, it's so distinctive. This entire city is orange. You know, the walls are painted orange on buildings. They're Taxis are painted orange, like every, any people are painted orange, people are wearing orange, you know, it is an orange city and the party starts off so well with that win against Guinea-Bissau, they look so good, Cote d'Ivoire, they're like, we're favorites. Completely on fire, fire's orange too, right? Yeah, well, exactly. And then they, they, they lose to Nigeria, oh, like, you know, Nigeria, a good team, it wasn't a terrible performance, we'll come back. Mm -hmm. Then... Then they, they have that 4-0 loss to Equatorial Guinea. Let me tell you, I've never seen an environment go from a party to a funeral just like that. Mm -hmm. One day, the entire city is orange in Abidjan. The next day, it's great. Even, let me tell you, it started raining. 
Next day it was it was it was gray clouds, raining, even even the heavens wept here in here in Abidjan. And then you get this like lifeline of of Morocco doing them a solid by knocking out Zambia. After Jean-Louis Gasset is 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 uh is sent packing for for apparently getting the team knocked out, flares, fireworks everywhere. And then we go to Senegal. Oh, like you know, I'm like, oh yeah, party's gonna be finished. Senegal, best cool. team on the continent by a mile. The one team that you know can control any game. Mr. Ali Usise, Mr. Unflappable, Mr. Ice Cold. And what do they do? They beat them on penalties in this ludicrous game. And that, and then if it gets even crazier with this Mali game, oh my goodness! Right, the, the noisy play. neighbors from next door coming to town, and you think this is finally their time because Mali are a fantastic nation, a great football nation. They haven't won the Cup of Nations. Um, they're, they're, they're perennial, uh, perennially in the knockouts. And you think this is the year to have a good run? 100%. Like you said, like the noisy neighbors, look, there's so many Malians that live in Cote d'Ivoire. There's so many Malians that came over prior prior to the country leaving ECOWAS, but we'll leave the politics to one side for now. Um, <laughs> but so, and you know, they're in Bouake. Bouake is a city with loads of Malians in it in particular. You know, even uh, Musa Dumbia, they're, 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 one of their center forwards was born in Bouake. They have three or four players born in Cote d'Ivoire. And then they, oh my goodness, I cannot believe what happened. They then, you know, dominating Ivory Coast, miss a penalty, dominating the game. Nene Dorgales scores. Him himself, his parents born in Cote d'Ivoire. I think only the second time I've seen an international player not celebrate because he scored against his home country, um, his parents' home country. Sure. Uh, and like it was again, like it was dead in Cote d'Ivoire. They they've been reduced to ten players after Kosnu went got sent off. They were losing one 0 There was no hope. Um, I tell you, one of the funny things is I watch it. I watched the fan zone, and there the feed is maybe like twenty seconds behind the radio feed. So mm-hmm. what you have is you have people listening to the radio, and then they start celebrating, and then it, it's like a brilliant study scientifically in like the spread of information. Because what happened is they had that one chance where they, they, I can't remember who headed it, but it was off corner. They headed just wide. And we thought it was a goal because about 20 seconds before the corner was taken, you just heard in the corner, some people hearing that the radio commentators had got excited. So they thought they had scored. Suddenly the entire place, I'm in a fan zone, you know, maybe like 500 plus, maybe a thousand people, that's probably a bit of a stretch, are going crazy before the corner's even been taken. Then they missed the corner. Oh my goodness, it was crazy. And then, uh, then, then they scored the equalizer last minute, Simon Adingra. And let me tell you, I've never, I've never been so scared for my life when a team is winning because these Ivorians go crazy, crazy. Okay. So when, when they score, they just, they just like some of the guys we were sitting with, they just start breaking things. So there's like, you know, there's, there's like kind of like a beer garden. You've got plastic chairs, these small tables, whatever. Like people just pick up the chairs, throw them. I even, I even have like, I have the marks on my leg where someone picked up a chair, tried to slam it into the ground just in celebration, but he didn't realize that I was sitting there. So he just smashes this chair onto my leg. I've still got the marks on my leg. Jeez, this sounds like Courtney's Greek family. Life side. Yeah, yeah, not court, as much as Courtney looks looks like a, a Mediterranean lad. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And then they win. And again, another strange thing. I think this is quite a common thing in West Africa. But when when people celebrate, they just run. So like as soon as the final whistle went, hundreds and hundreds of these Ivorians just start jogging, dancing, singing out out of the fan park. 
and they'll go for kilometers, like not just like a hundred meters, and then they'll, they'll just keep going, <laughs> blowing their whistles, blowing their vuvuzelas. Let me tell you guys, I'm furious with you South Africans. Vuvuzelas have have infected Cuba like nothing else. Whistles, oh my goodness, what a yeah. They, let me tell you, this has been the craziest roller coaster I've ever been on being here in, in Cote d'Ivoire for this tournament. <laughs> Courtney, impressions from afar. Ali's painted an amazing picture on the ground. Zane, I think Ali has summarized it perfectly. The tournament has been chaotic, exciting, mm. nail curling, infuriating, surprising. <laughs> it, it, it's had absolutely everything. How does a team like Ivory Coast get to the semifinals after a 4-0 defeat. Exactly. 4-0 defeat. I don't know. And at the same time, Egypt's fighting to try and stay in the tournament. Morocco's trying to stay in the tournament, beating Zambia. It's all going off. I'm thinking to myself, hold on. Is this group game football? That's what has been the fascinating mm. part about it, is that group game football, which is not normally entertaining, which is not normally exciting, which doesn't really grip anybody. It's basically been a shootout. That's all it's been. Teams going at it from the start. Entertaining. I couldn't... While watching these group games, I was trying to think, when last has group games been this exciting? I, I, I couldn't think. You know, you think of all tournaments across Europe. Normally, you're waiting for teams to get into the knockout phase for football to get exciting. This hasn't been the case. I think the FCON this year, one thing it has provided for us is an opportunity of just real excitement from the get-go. When Dr. P uh, uh, Patrice Matepe spoke about opening the tournament, game one, game one, everybody was just going at it. And it's just been really exciting. Something I've enjoyed. The, I'll tell you how much I've enjoyed it. When FCON games are on, I'm not watching English football. <laughs> I'm not watching it. No, 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 no. I'm watching FCON because I'm telling you that people are just going at it. And it's exciting, man. You know, really exciting. Um, and then we, we, we get to the Ivory Coast game yesterday. I, I Basically, I don't know what was going on in that game. I, I don't know. It, it had everything. I'll tell you what it was missing, Zane. I'll tell you what that game was missing. Because I was sitting with my wife. I said, the only thing missing from this game is a unicorn trotting through the center of the field, jumping through a, 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 a hoop of fire, and then swimming across the Because it had everything. And then afterwards, I don't know if you saw the ref fighting with the players. And <laughs> yeah, the refs are getting involved. Like, what and, is going on here? Has the ref forgotten he's the ref? <laughs> and in the melee, hits the linesman. I don't know if you saw him hit his own linesman. I'm thinking to myself, what is going on here? This is football at the highest level. Man, come on, man. This is FCON. They took the handbrake off, man. The car got no brakes. Well, let me let me ask the question this way. Frank Kessie said uh, during the tournament, I think it was after they'd qualified for the quarterfinals, as they say, a ghost can't be scared. <laughs> because in many ways, that tells the story of the Ivory Coast. We thought they were dead and then they were back and now they're, you know, becoming team's nightmares. Um, open it up to you. Can ghosts get scared? <laughs> Certainly not this team. I'm, oh my goodness! Yeah, I think that is, that is a brilliant quote. It perfectly sums it up. Like they've just 
They look, they have not been a good team. Against Mali, Mali were miles better than them. Even before the red card, Mali were all over them. They thoroughly deserve to go through. Senegal against Cote d'Ivoire. Senegal managed the game so well, particularly in the first half. Second half got a little bit away from them, but again, a team that is much, much better than Cote d'Ivoire. And yet, and yet, they find a way in the most bonkers fashion. You know, like, I think one player whose reaction I loved after both goals was was, uh, Seko Fofana, who's probably been Cote d'Ivoire's best player, certainly going forward in this tournament, kind of like a one-man machine for better and sometimes for worse when he tries too hard. Both times they score the goal, both he was kind of involved with. Instead of just cheering, first he runs off with his hands up, then he puts his hands on his head. Like, he, because he, he's just, he doesn't know what to do. He's just running with his hands on his head because he's so overwhelmed, so confused. Because what, what happened in that game yesterday just should not have happened. In any world, it should not have happened. And yet, here we are saying Cote d'Ivoire going through to the semifinals. I just, as Courtney says, man, this is this is this is the the most brilliant football tournament I've ever seen. It's it's honestly it's just wonderful. It's it's the gift that keeps on giving. And Zane, you know what you gotta admire, okay? It, it's not just a you know, I called it a shootout a bit earlier on, and that's a bit disrespectful. It's not just a shootout. There's some good football being played here, Zane. You must remember the temperatures these players are playing at firstly, you've got to take that into account. These guys are running kilometers in this enduring heat. Absolutely very warm temperatures, but they're playing wonderful football. And you've got to give credit, you know, um, like the avid cricket fan that I am, the pitch is the most important thing in a cricket game. The, the, The pitches that these guys are playing on are not bad as well, which is conducive to good football, man. It's just been such a fantastic advert for African football at the moment. The players, the energy, the atmosphere. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I don't know what the ref does in these games because when teams score, it's like they just go off for 10 minutes to celebrate and everyone goes into the crowd. It's just chaotic and then the players eventually come back afterwards. Like, I, I don't know if you guys can remember the Cape Verde game. They scored the winner and went off. And, and went walked straight into the grandstand, into the crowd. I'm thinking, the game is not finished. Where are you all going? It you was know? a wonderful start to the tournament, right? What is going on? But this is the stamp of the AFCON, man. It doesn't always have to be normal. It doesn't always have to be well-chiseled, have the Premier League sign on it. We don't need that, man. This tournament's just been good. I'm so impressed with it. Well done to everyone involved, honestly. The only and, thing I have a problem with, Zane, I've got one problem. Can somebody please, please not put Daniel Amokachi on a mic again? <laughs> I will do this for free. I will do this for free. You know, they don't have to pay me. They could just say to me, come do the job. I'll pay my own flight, my own hotel. I'll bring my own red wine. I don't need anything. Just put me on the mic. I'm embarrassed for him. I'm embarrassed. Well, listen, we want honesty and we want opinions. And if you're listening to our podcast, uh, tweet us at OTW underscore podcast. Uh, let us know if you agree with Courtney on the, the agree with Courtney on his analysis on the commentary <laughs> of the great Nigerian man. Um, he, of course, sitting next to Piers Edwards, uh, one of the best journalists who covers African football, formerly of the BBC. So, um, Ali, you know Piers. Why, why don't you drop him a message and, and maybe... 
Um, I'll give him the feedback. Again. <laughs> you can find us at OTW underscore podcast on X, was formerly known as Twitter, on Instagram, or just leave a comment um, on our Facebook page, um, which is on the Whistle Podcast, or our YouTube account on the Whistle Podcast again. We'd love to hear from you. But I think it would be remiss. We've spoken a lot about the Ivory Coast without maybe bringing in the Democratic Republic of Congo. I think they've had a fantastic competition. I did not pick them to go this deep. Uh, before the tournament, we spoke to Johan Wieser. Um, before he left for the tournament when he was at Brentford. Johan is a fantastic character. If you want to listen to his comments about the team, about his love for the DRC and about his goals with them, do tune back, go to our archives. The pod's only about three or four weeks old. I guarantee you will enjoy it. But in there, Ali, do you remember when we interviewed him at Brentford? He told us that the team would be happy with making it to the quarterfinals. Well, they've clearly exceeded that. And I, for one, didn't pick them as realistic um, semifinalists. Look, look, Zed, this might just be speaking to how maybe naive and gullible I am. But after, after we interviewed Lisa, I did believe that they would get to the semifinals because, I don't know, the way he spoke about this team, the way he kind of talked about how the team, you know, wasn't even really mm-hmm. in a position to qualify for this tournament when Sebastian de Sabra took over. They lost, I think, the first two games in qualifying and they completely turned things around. And then watching them at this tournament, I was so excited to watch them because I was mm-hmm. like, this is a team full of attacking players. You know, Teo Bongonda, Kyoka Kokutas finally seems to be living up to his tag as, as the, the black sedan, as he was known when he was first coming through at Chelsea. You know, they've got this, you know, brilliant array of attacking players, Cedric Bakambu, Mishak Elias, Silas Katumba, you know, Simon Banza. Uh, like, it's an exciting, exciting team. Now, they haven't quite hit this, you know, this is this is incredibly harsh to say about a team in the semifinals. They haven't quite hit their stride going forward. And they, yes, they've drawn four game, their first four games at this tournament in the group stage and then obviously with Egypt. But I think in all four of those games, they were the better team. And I think what struck me against Guinea is they finally clicked in terms of the attacking talent. They finally looked like not only are we the better team, not only are we the more dangerous team, but we actually are putting away our chances. And and for me, that's what makes this DRC team so dangerous. And, and I think coming into this game, any rational human being would say that DR Congo are a much better team than Cote d'Ivoire. They shouldn't really beat Cote d'Ivoire. But no rational person could have seen what has happened at this tournament. Sure. No rational person could have predicted what had happened to this Cote d'Ivoire team. And so I, would, I think I would be a fool to say anything, but DRC are probably going to be much better than, than Cote d'Ivoire, but something miraculous and or crazy will happen and Cote d'Ivoire will, will find a way to win. <laughs> Courtney, what, what have your impressions been on the Congo? Zane. I wouldn't be happy with them if I had to play them, if I'm being genuinely honest. You know, um, Alistair gives a more rubber-stamped, articulated version of, of, of the team. They, For me, they're just a hard-working, unfashionable team that you don't want to play at this point in time. Uh, they, they seem fearless. There's the other thing as well. They're not intimidated by the situation. I'm actually shocked by how well they play as a unit. And this is where what I think will get them through a lot of games. Uh, something that, in in what Zane was talking about, excuse me, in what Alistair was talking about a bit earlier, one of the names he didn't bring up was Matsuaku, um, the West Ham left back, who's been very good for them. 
absolutely very, very good for them. And as you know, Wessa, with the energy that he brings to the game, I'm sure the Brentford manager is watching him and thinking, my goodness gracious, can this tournament end? We need this guy back. But there is a workmanlike team with confidence there that I feel any one of the teams in the semis would not want to play. If you're looking at any team, you're thinking to yourself, that's a team I actually don't want to go near at the moment. They just hardworking, hard running, uh, a bit of an ugly outfit uh, mm -hmm. blossoming into a nice one. I like it. I like it. And my final question to you lads on this is um, I'd like to get your predictions on the semifinal. Who do you think will win? How do you think we'll go? And who do you think we'll be seeing in the final? Zane, I think this is very unfair of you to ask for us to give predictions at this tournament because any prediction and every prediction I think is wrong at this tournament because it's just been that crazy. I, as I as I just said, I think for me, I think DR Congo are a better team. I think they play better football. I think they have a better coach. I think they're better organized. And so I'm going to say, I think Cote d'Ivoire are going to find a way to win. Um, whether that's penalties, extra time, I think... I think for me, it's going to be a close one. It's going to be one goal or penalties. It's not going to be anything more than that. And yeah, like I said, I think DR Congo are a better team then, but at this tournament, that doesn't seem to to, to matter much. So I think Cote d'Ivoire for me are, are going to slide into the final. Well, I'll agree with you there. I, I think the home team are going to do it. I think they're going to confound us all <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and play in that final. I wish I could show you my notes because... I've looked at these permutations. I've been looking at them from last night. I'm looking at them this morning. I'm looking at them now. I, I I actually cannot tell you who's going to get there. What I thought yesterday is not what I thought earlier on. Is not what I'm thinking now. Yesterday, sure. I saw Nigeria, DRC, Congo final. That's what I can see. Um, Jeez, you're giving us the final prediction already, Courtney. We're not even there. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. going to get through the semifinals. That's what I'm saying. going to get through. Then I was thinking, no, South Africa, DRC. Oh, oh no. Well, just, I, I, just give me this one. Who do you think? If you had to bet, if you had to bet your house. I think Nigeria beats South Africa to versus DRC. Interesting. Mm. So that's a very interesting I, way of answering it because we're going to get to that okay. semi in a bit. I think but, the Ivory Coast have run out of legs. Uh, I think the Ivory Coast don't have what it takes to get over the DRC. I really don't think that. Yeah, they, but, they're not going to face it. Look, I'm, I'm Courtney. Who, who am I to push back at you? You are a man who's won the Premier League. You've played on the continent. You still play in the over seventies league. Um, you know, <laughs> even though you're thirty five or forty five, you lose count these days. Um, so you age, 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 visiting. Um, but, um, but I'm going to push back a little bit and say, just, just say this: if you're playing a tournament, and if this is your one chance at glory, and you've got the hometown behind you. Do you run out of legs or does your adrenaline pull you through in these moments? Zane, I think I think Saturday night was their legs running out of petrol, if I'm being very honest. I don't think Ivory Coast have got anything left. I, okay. I really don't. They not they not play they would have hoped to play South Africa. They would have hoped to play us. Why? We are a bit of a soft touch in regards to the DRC. The DRC are a bunch of soldiers running across the desert in their boots without stopping for 11 miles. That's who they are. No I like it. These guys like are going. I am fearful of that team. That team can play. 
as a team. Well, well, well listen, this is great. Ali and I are going for the hosts. You're going for the DRC. I think that shows the nature of a brilliant tournament that we can have these opinions where we're not sure who's going to go through. Um, so I love that. But I'm going to transition us now to the next semifinal, which sees the superpowers on the continent, Nigeria versus South Africa, the pretenders to the contenders. <laughs> Two nations, a lot of rivalry, a lot of ego, a lot of big mouths. <laughs> Probably the two most unpopular, disliked countries, Nigerians and South Africans. <laughs> and if anyone wins, nobody's a, nobody's a winner on the continent because we won't shut up and the Nigerians won't shut up. But I have to say this. From everything I've seen, Nigeria, to me, looked like the best team left in this draw. My favorites going into the knockouts, I'll be honest, with Equatorial Guinea, because I thought, wow, these dudes have looked amazing. They've produced something. And then if I looked at the rest of the draw, I was going with Senegal. I thought Senegal had something there to do it. They had the experience, they have the players, they have the know-how. So those really were my two teams. Um, and even though I questioned whether this Nigerian Super Eagles team had a spine to win it, I thought they had a soft underbelly. They've come and they've performed outstandingly. I'm going to throw it out there. I think, unlike Courtney, they're the best team left in the tournament. Where do you stand, Alistair? Yeah, it's. I think they've certainly, of, of the teams that have gotten through to this stage, I think they're the most... I don't want to say complete, but I think the most solid tournament team, right? You know, coming into this tournament, we all thought like, oh, like Nigeria has the best array of, of strikers in the world. You know, the amount of depth they had. Oh, they lose Victor Boniface. Oh, what a shame. They bring in Tara Muffy. They bring in these guys. They, they just have so much quality going forward in terms of, of center forward. And yet we that, that's not been what's gotten them through it. It's been that change to playing in a back five. It's been that change to playing defensive football, to not creating that much, to not being a very exciting team. But then they have the players who at the other end can get the job done. And particularly Victor Ozzyman, who you know, hasn't scored, but has, has been brilliant. You know, I gotta say, there's there's few there's only been a few times, you know, I haven't watched loads of live football in my my short footballing career as a journalist, but there's been a couple of players that have just been a joy to watch in person. I think for me, chief amongst those is Luka Modric. Just to watch him live is, is, is a true gift. But the second is Victor Ozzyman. Man. Just the amount of work he gets through, the amount of fighting he does in the team with center backs. And he's constantly making center backs question themselves. You know, he's, he's tall, he's strong, he's fast. He's got great anticipation. He's really intelligent. So ball goes over the top. He beats the center back the first time. Next time ball goes over the top, he goes for the header. He then fakes it. Defender misses it, bounces behind him, he gets it. You know, every time he's switching up what he's doing. So for me, Nigeria are not an exciting team to watch. They're quite a boring team. And even I remember Jose Becerra coming into the knockouts. He said, look, we're going to win games 1-0 and I'm okay with that. And he's kind of been spot on. Like they, they're, they're not a good team to watch. They're not exciting, but they, they get clean sheets. They keep clean sheets. And so for me, against South Africa, I'm not expecting goals. I think the other game is going to be much more exciting. I'll be honest. But I think... Nigeria are, are the most kind of solid team coming into the to the semifinals. I'd definitely give them that. And 
let's be honest, being solid is what wins you tournaments. So I think at this moment, they would probably be my, my slight favorites to win it. I like to hear that. I like to hear that. That's, that's wonderful, unbiased analysis. Um, Courtney, we know South Africa um, didn't start the tournament while losing to Mali, but then finding a way to, to bounce back against a Namibian team that out of nowhere had um, surprised Tunisia, and then South Africa holding on to get the point against Tunisia to qualify for the knockouts. Subsequently went on to knock out Morocco um, in the round of 16, of course, the World Cup semifinalists. And then another pulsating game where they would see off Cape Verde, one of the form teams of the tournament. Now, it's been a fantastic run in the knockouts. South Africa deserve their place in the semis because they've won those games. But having watched them, and I'm a Bafana Bafana fan, I have to say, it's felt like they've got a lot of good fortune and they've been lucky in some moments. And that has seen them progress rather than a domineering or conquering performance. You're the man with the better eye on tactics and talent than me. How have you seen it? I think the... Firstly, thank you very much for that, Zane. What I will say to you is that what can't be underestimated is the Namibia-Tunisia game in South Africa's progress here. That game where Namibia beat Tunisia really helped us a lot, exceptionally. So South Africa get themselves onto a platform. They're on the front foot. They're able to go forward. We get a draw. Uh, we beat Namibia convincingly. We get out the North stage. We get into versus Morocco. Um, we've been limping forward, Zane. The problem with South Africa is their best player is the goalkeeper. Mr. Ronwin Williams, Minister of Defence, four he's saves the, in a penalty shootout. Because I'm going to say this to you, Zane, all right? Where have you known a goalkeeper to make four saves in a penalty shootout and you're still nervous the team won't go through? <laughs> Courtney, you articulated how I watched that and what I was saying at the, shouting at the screen. I was thinking, I, I need to put boots on and go take a penalty. Like <laughs> the net. Now, you know, listen, before the tournament, Alistair will say to you, uh, predictions for me were semifinals. If we get to the semifinals, we've won the tournament. Um, that's what I called. I didn't expect us to get so far. The team deserves a lot of credit. What, what Hugo Bruce has done with this team is that he's created a very well-structured outfit that works hard, gets back, and he's got a lot of players working hard. Do we have the quality to get past a team like like Nigeria? No, we don't. Um, but tournaments about being luck, uh, being lucky. We, there may be an element of luck in this tournament that makes us get through again. You know, for goodness gracious me, the 89-minute save before penalties that Ronwin made yesterday. Yeah. And no believe that save. You know, the guy connects it so it's well so with good. the right foot. It's going into mm. the two. He pulls off that save, right? Had any other Premier League goalkeeper within this time pulled off a save like this, wives would be naming their second, third, fourth, and five <laughs> children after him. You know, it, it, what an unbelievable save. And at the timing to keep the team in the tournament. 100%. DMT. That's what I'm saying. The, the problem with South Africa is that their best player can't score goals. That's the problem. The best player is not I a wouldn't put it past him. The best player is the goalkeeper. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. But what Hugo Bruce has created, you can see there is a, a good team there. 
people are working hard for each other. This whole di- uh, sundowns dynamic with pirates and Kaiser Chiefs seems off the table. You, you, you've hit this perfectly on the head. And, you know, most African fans will listen out there. And traditionally, the two teams you associate with South Africa are Orlando Pirates and Kaiser Chiefs. No, not the band. Uh, that's Lucas Khadebe's former team. Um, but those are the two giants in South Africa. But in the last decade, it's really been about Sundowns, who, with a lot of investment from now uh, CAF president Patrice Motsepe, they've really formed the most formidable team um, in Southern Africa, in South Africa, um, on the continent, arguably the form team at the moment under coach um, uh, Rolani Mokwena. Um, so... You know, and Pizzo Mosimane was there before establishing the dynasty. Um, and the reason why I'm talking so much about Sundowns is that when you look at the majority of squads that have done well at this tournament, and particularly the knockout rounds, they come from players who are based abroad in, um, in Europe. And South Africa is the one country that bucks that trend. Eight players in the starting team for both the game against Morocco and um, and uh, the game on Saturday that they won um, against Cabo Verde, eight of those players are based in South Africa and they play for Mamelodi Sundowns. Percy Tau, a ninth player, used to play Mamelodi Sundowns, but is now in Al-Akhli after he um, played um, at a few different clubs in Europe, uh, Club Bruges, Brighton being two of them. So in many ways... A great advertisement for the Premier Soccer League in the sense that they're able to provide players who can compete against elite teams at this level and perhaps a different model about how countries can actually achieve success. You don't need to rely on the diaspora. You don't need to rely on all your players overseas. If you can create a league with good investment from within that allows you to then pull in those players and particularly pull in those players from one of your most successful teams of all time. But Zane, I'll challenge you on this here. Uh, I think that's supposed to be happening. South Africa's got one of the strongest leagues in in Africa. South Africa's got some of the, the league with some of the best investment on the continent. And if you look at one of the teams that constantly flies the flag on African tournaments for clubs is Sundowns, consistently. You know, uh, so I think I think they they actually are where they should be at the moment. They should be there. They should be a big hitter in this tournament. They have to be. But are they a big hitter that's going to take the next step? I just can't see it. Like, cannot see it. Like I know I've said this before, and I'm going to say this again. You cannot keep progressing through a tournament when your best player don't score goals, don't create chances. You can't, you know, you can't. The best goal play is the goalkeeper. You can't do anything else. You can't. Just now, it's like it's like Declan Rice. He's never going to create a chance, score a goal, but you paid a hundred million for him. He, he, you know, <laughs> he's just not good enough. He doesn't do enough. The rest of the players are doing their best, but they don't do enough. And I'm just going to remind listeners that we're recording off the back of Arsenal beating Liverpool 3-1 in the Premier League. Not that it has anything to do with Courtney's uh, disparaging remarks about an Arsenal player. Um, (laughs) But what... what, 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 No! (laughs) Listen to that. 
I just want to uh, say to the listeners, go back and check how many times Declan Rice got into the attacking box <laughs> or passed forward or created a chance. 100 million pound player. <laughs> it could put me in that position when I but I'll do the same. But what what I will say about about this team though is, you know, it's it's interesting because I think and we really got into it in, in our preview ahead of this tournament, be Courtney and for those was what a mess Bafana Bafana as an institution has been over the last 20 years. How badly it's been managed, how badly Safa has been managed. You know, the PSL in many ways has been has bucked that trend because, like you say, it's it's the wealthiest league on the continent. It's it's you know creating a you know brilliant players, but even that hasn't been as strong as it should be. You know, in terms of the way it's managed, you have teams like Luton saying Celtic going under, being moved cities, and you know South African football has not been in a strong point. And I think even if you look at the South Africa team. You know, this is the first Africa team to get to the, the semifinal since I think that 2000 team. And if you look at the players from this team, compare it to that that 90s vintage, would any of them get into that team? Would any of them replace the likes of Lucas Hadebe, Mark Fish, Dr. Kumalo, you know, John Mushue, you know, Benny McCarthy, Sean Bartlett? I don't think any of these guys would get in there. You know, the closest would be would be Ron Williams. But, you know, Andre Aronso was, was a pretty handy goalkeeper himself. So, but I think I think the thing that has bailed this South Africa team out and and this nation is what you said, Zane, is this Mamelodi Sundowns team, because the what South Africa have done is and been able to do is they focus so much of their work defensively. They become really defensively solid. They I think they they blocked more shots than any other team. They've had the best keeper at this tournament. But they haven't had to work on the attacking patterns as much because those players have those relationships already, you know. Okwena, Zwane, even Percy Tao, Morena, you know, these guys have those, those relationships. The one question for me about this, um, this, I almost said the Sundance team, which gives it away. Um, this South Africa team is, is up front. And we, and again, we spoke about this before the tournament. Evidence Makopa, great finish against Morocco. You know, he'll, he'll forever be a legend for that. But for me, he's, he's a, he's a decent big center forward and that's it, you know. But if they had, if South Africa had Lyle Foster coming into this game, I would give them such a big chance against Nigeria because he's such a lethal player. But kind of as Courtney says, that's where they're going to struggle is to score goals. And the big question is, can they hold off Nigeria? Because what Nigeria have been kind of lucky about against uh, both Cameroon and Angola is they had the other teams making individual mistakes that let them score. So in the first game against, against Cameroon, Victor Osimhen steals the ball off Omar Gonzalez. Against Angola, the Angolan centre-back massively misjudges the weight of Moses Simon's touch. Moses Simon gets past him and suddenly, you know, they're on a three-on-two and, and he rolls it into Adamola looking to finish. If South Africa can deny Nigeria that kind of chance, I think they can take this game late. And yes, Nwabali has been a bit of a revelation for Nigeria, but with Ronwin Williams in goal, the later and later match goes against Nigeria, the more and more nervous they'll be because they know that they're up against one of the best goalkeepers at penalties. And we've known about this for a long time. We've had Ronwin on this podcast, you know, go back and listen to his, to, to his podcast when Courtney interviewed him. You know, this is a guy who, when South Africa lost 4-0 to France in a friendly, Kylian Mbappe sought him out to swip, swap shirts. You know, that's how good Ronwin Williams is in terms of, you know, he, he can be the goalkeeper and losing 4-0 and the best player in the world, or one of them, still comes up to him and wants to change his shirt. And Olivier Giroud did the same. He wanted to change his shirt. He came up to him, said, 
I couldn't believe how good you were when they lost 4-0. And so I think for me, that's the, that's the way South Africa wins this, is they make it a boring game, they keep it at 0-0, and the later it goes, the more pressure it's on Nigeria, the more pressure it's on Nigeria. Because they know that if they go to penalties with Ronwin and goal, it doesn't matter if, 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 as Courtney says, the South Africans miss two or three of their own. They've got, they've got Ronwin to bail them out. So I think for me, that's the big key is if they can contain Nigeria for as long as possible. Well, well, listen, before we wrap up on predictions here, and we know Courtney's, that is a great plug for Courtney's interview with Ronwin Williams way back in the day when he was the captain of Supersport and he just got the Bafana, uh, Bafana role. Uh, Gavin Hunt giving him the leadership opportunities at that point. Go back into the archive, take a listen to us, learn about the man who is South Africa's new unofficial Minister of Defense, Mr. Ronald Williams. And also, um, it's worth reminding people that we spoke to Frank the Tank on Yeka, ahead of the AFCON, and he told Ali and I very confidently that um, Nigeria would make the finals. They've got no choice. Um, again, hear more about his inspiring story, about how he made it as a professional and how he believed they would make the final, which they're on course for. And also, go back and listen to Johan Wissa when we asked him about what Frank said, and he called him a liar in a very joking and funny way. So honestly, <laughs> gold. But Ali, we know what um, Courtney's prediction is. It's an Ivory Coast. No, it's a DRC uh, Nigeria final. Where are you going? Who is going to meet the Ivory Coast in your final, because that was your pick for the semi and my pick from the first semi. Oh. Who goes and plays them? That's so hard. Ah, so, so hard. I think Nigeria will be the, the heavy favourites, but Bafana have shown that they can do it against against the bigger team in Morocco. They've, they've shown that they can they can kind of grit it out. Um, I think I think I have to say Nigeria. I think I have to. I think Nigeria, for me, is still, they've got Victor Aussie, man. And for me, as good as the South Africa have been defensively, it's just too hard to contain a player like that. So I think for yeah. me, for me, it's going to be a Nigeria Cote d'Ivoire final. Yeah, I'm going there with you too. I just think the Nigerian class will come to the fore. Too many good players, too many players based in the top leagues in the world where they consistently do it. Um, as much as I'd love to see South Africa win, I think this is where um, the, uh, the their luck runs out and Nigeria win. But potentially in a third place playoff, I would say good contenders for bronze, but um but that's that's my prediction. I'd like to add this uh, the historical thing to it as well. Yeah, please we've go ahead. We've consistently lost to Nigeria. Every time something big comes up, we, Nigeria always beat us. It's like us against Australia at rugby. We play Australia anywhere at rugby. World Cup, wherever, at a big game, we lose. I don't care who's managing what. So there's just certain teams you don't want to be around. You know, we, we, uh, I, I can't see us getting past Nigeria. I really can't. Um, the team is not ready to get past Nigeria, secondly. But I think the team, for me, has already won the tournament. South Africa have been fantastic with what they have. And I, I call the semi-final. Alistair will tell you, Zang. I said, semi-finals fast, no more. That'll be us at the top end of the table. So well done to the group, you know, and well done to what they've done. And Alistair mentioned this earlier. We, we are such a mess of a national situation. Man. We are such a mess. Like I was watching Danny Jordan all of a sudden go onto the field afterwards and hugging the manager. And I was thinking to myself, can someone just roll a car tire over him? Man, hey, you know, 
Look what he did with the ladies when Bafana went to the World Cup. Look at that scramble egg situation that he created there. Now, all of a sudden, he's putting himself in the limelight. Nobody needs him, man. You know, I hope he listens to this podcast. Nobody wants him in that position anymore. Please pack your bags. Take the elephant you've got as well of amount of money you've collected over years and walk into the nearest sunset where you can relax for the rest of your life happily. We don't want you. Danny Jordan. Well, Courtney, as always, thank you for being candid and authentic. Let us know if you agree. Let us know if you agree with Courtney's views. Um, we welcome people who think the same, think differently, um, don't have a dog in the fight, don't have an opinion too. You're welcome. Um, of course, there'll be those out there who are keen supporters of Mr. Yordan. They'll believe that he has helped place and turn the ship around by bringing in Hugo Bruce, who won the African Cup of Nations with Cameroon, and he'll have a different perspective to that. But... For now, gentlemen, we will bring a close to our bumper semi-final preview show. Courtney, always a pleasure, never a chore. And Ali, we look forward to your reports on the ground at the semis, um, wherever they may be. It's going to be an incredibly exciting week. We'll be back before the week's out as we look ahead to the final. The AFCON has been fantastic. And I can tell you what, it's only just got started. All the best.